What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of A Yank and a Swede, a Premier League podcast. I'm your Swede, Sebastian Norin. With me is your Yank, Elliot Niblock. And we're going to break down what went down for the Premier League sites in the European Cups this midweek. And then we'll take a quick little look ahead of what's in store for us as far as the Premier League goes this weekend. A weekend that could be very decisive for at least one manager in the league. <laughs> yeah, and you started to say, uh, we're going to take a look at what went down. I thought, oh, we're going to take a look at what went wrong. Well, at least what went wrong for one team. Yep, that's very, very true. Uh, we do have an international break coming up here after this round of fixtures. So would be a good, uh, you know, good spot to fire your manager and get someone new in give them two weeks to sort of prepare for the next game, but who knows what will happen. But with that, we'll move into the Champions League where Manchester United got a uh, scoreless draw at home against Valencia. And another miserable game at Old Trafford. More critics voicing their opinions about Mourinho. Post- well, before, but yes. before we get to talk about Mourinho's fate and... The result. I'm, what did you think of the the game itself? Because I thought I thought United at least looked a little a little more focused on going forward. A little, but still not enough. And <laughs> this is a result based sport yes. business. And the scoreless draw at home against Valencia, who's had a pretty rough start to their season too, is just not good enough. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, nil-nil draws at Old Trafford are... Uh, that's a lot of money to pay to see zero goals. Yes, it is. It, it really is. And I, I I forgot the actual stats right now, but, you know, the home record, not what it used to be, that's for sure. And it's no, another... The theater of dreams is not quite the theater of nightmares, but it's certainly no fortress. No. And with Mourinho... You know, going more and more on the attack in press conferences and post-game in- interviews. He left the um, press conference here ahead of the Newcastle game after like three and a half minutes. Uh, was very short in his answers. Paul Scholes went so far to say that he's embarrassing the club right now with the amount of yapping that he's doing in the media, and I tend to agree. Oh, he. I mean, he's an embarrassment to the club for you know a long time now <laughs> so it's uh yeah it's been hard to watch we've talked about this plenty of times before but what could become the final nail in the coffin here for the special one is if they lose against newcastle united well so here's you know i posed this to you in our last show and i said if they lose to valencia which they're capable of doing then I thought that he was going to get the axe midweek. Now, what happens if it's the same sister-kissing scenario in which they get a draw against a mightily struggling Rafa Benitez Newcastle team, right? Like, a draw is still a huge disappointment from a United perspective. I, the fans will only get louder in their clamoring to have him fired if they drop points at all. I mean, do you think a draw is going to be enough to get him out of the hot seat and into the proverbial fire? <laughs> it would have to be a very special draw, another scoreless one when they're 
on the back heels, not creating much. Uh, maybe if Newcastle have you know the majority of the quality goal scoring opportunities, maybe I still think that a loss is what's going to put it over the edge. I think he can get away with a draw. Yeah. But at, I, but at the same time, it's another game at home, and like you said, it's a Newcastle that still doesn't have a win to their name this season. Yeah. So a draw, uh, a draw in my book should be enough for him to be get fired. See, that's what I was going to say, is that I know I, I know that in your book and in the books of many Red Devil supporters, a draw should be enough to get him out. But I agree that I I don't think that you know, unless it's a truly abject nil-nil display again, I doubt that a draw is going to be enough to get him fired. But that said, I part of me wonders, though, because like going into the, the international break, that's the perfect time. You got a little extra cushion to change managers. No, that's exactly what it is. It gives the new whoever comes in or whoever takes over from within some time to get things right. Uh, I know a lot of players will go away on international duties, but still, you can still do some planning there at least. So, uh, we'll we'll see what happens on on uh, on Saturday. But it's a uh, it's another weekend where I go in and I'm not very confident. Yeah, it's, it's, I hate to say it, but that's just reality right now. That's yeah. the 12:30 p.m. kickoff, and. Uh, over on NBC Sports Gold, you got Burnley, Huddersfield, Crystal Palace, Wolves, Leicester, Everton. Um, one team that will be on regular TV or streaming is uh, Spurs, who take on Cardiff at home. And Spurs, they played Barcelona. You got to have that lisp. little Catalan lisp. Yes, the lisp. Uh, suffered a 4-2 defeat at the hands of Barcelona. Lionel Messi with a... Near perfect performance. It was a very, very good play from Messi in this game. And it just shows that Spurs still has, um, you know, some ways to go before they're a perennial top European club. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that they they can be proud of staying in it, scoring a couple goals, um, and... They, you know, they they acquitted themselves decently well, and yet, regardless, the gap in quality was shown on the pitch and then again on the scoreline. I mean, and boy, God, that Rakitic goal for the second. Whew. Uh, I mean, it's just beautiful in so many ways. I mean, not only Coutinho's move down the side and then great job to keep the ball in play to get it to him, but that's... As perfect a strike as the ball can be struck. Yep, so uh, good, good finish there by the Croatian. Uh, so Barcelona tops that group, Group B, six points, same as Inter Milan, who defeated PSV Eindhoven, and then Spurs and PSV on zero points after two games. So uh, they need to start picking up some points here, that's for sure. We'll see how it goes in the next game against PSV. They'll be heavily favored in that one, at least. We should also say that Manchester United right now in their group, Group H, they are in second place with four points. Juventus in the lead with six, Valencia third with one, and the young boys from Bern, zero points. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, I'm not sure that they're gonna they're gonna be a, a contender for anything beyond Europa League in the knockout rounds. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Uh, speaking of the young boys too, I was out uh, having dinner with uh, some friends of the family here, and they were showing the score lines. Uh, you know that little rolling. What do you call it? Lower third. Uh, the little bar. ticker along the ticker, bottom. Yes, because uh, they were showing baseball, and he was like, "Young boys." What's a young boys? I was like, uh, it's a soccer team from uh, from Switzerland. He's like, that's weird. Not as weird as grasshoppers. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I guess if you're Googling young boys. I guess, okay, yeah, touche. Yeah, <laughs> not the best. A little stranger from the big brother perspective. Yep, that's very, very true. Napoli took a one nothing win over Liverpool in their game. Um, Liverpool with... Not a single shot on target. Yeah, Liverpool Liverpool looked fatigued in this one. Um, I mean, that's that. I think that's just the only thing you can say about it. Napoli looked more likely to score. Um, they had the lion's share of possess, possession, far more passes. Liverpool didn't even get a shot on target. Uh, deserved win at home for Napoli. Seb, I got to ask you, though, do you know... What is up with all of the empty seats right next to the pitch at the Napoli Stadium? It's it's so bizarre because there's like this lower rung that there's just a handful of people seated in, all of these empty seats, and then like kind of the mezzanine level, and then the stadium is packed up from there. I mean, it's just the strangest thing. Could it be a safety thing, maybe? I mean, I, I guess, but it's still... It still seems extreme to have the whole lower level, you know, just a handful of people there. I don't know. Maybe it's the players, friends, and families, but it was for a second. It looks weird. Yeah. No, I thought they were playing the match behind closed doors for a minute, and then until they zoomed out, I'm like, well, wait, no, it's the stadium is mostly full. It's just all of the empty seats are right there on top of the pitch. It's just bizarre. So, you know, if you are – Living in Napoli or have any insight, please let us know because this I'm I'm baffled by <laughs> by this. No, that's true. That's true. Napoli they topped the group Group C with four points. Liverpool in second with three points, same as PSG, and then Red Star Belgrade one point. So moving on to the final of the English sides in the Champions League, Manchester City they took a two to one win on the road against. Hoffenheim. It was a um, goal by Sergio Aguero in the seventh minute, and a goal by David Silva in the eighty-seventh minute that secured the three points. A couple of quick goals here as Ishak Belfodil scored in the opening minute of this game. Shock start! You're yeah, like, you just turned on the broadcast and pling because they do the pling thing for. Um, announcing scores so if you don't want to see him you can look away oh i didn't uh, notice that <laughs> on the uh, on the swedish feed and um uh, on the swedish feed ah uh, okay there you go <laughs> so it was like oh wait the game just started man city are down okay well they um you know they turned it around so they sit in second place right now group f Lyon with four points man city three Shakhtar Donetsk 2 and Hoffenheim 1. 
Yeah, you got to feel for Hoffenheim a little bit with like that dream start, and then I mean Aguero pulled. We should say Aguero pulled one back after just you know six more minutes yeah. in the seventh, uh, and they held on for eighty minutes after that. Well, I mean that's the thing too. You're like, oh crap! Now we're gonna try and just get this point, and we got eighty-three more minutes to play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they had. I mean, they had exactly a third of the possession in Manchester City at 67%. So, um, yeah. It got a feel for Hoffenheim, but City is City. Yep. No, that's true. And speaking of City, they will play Liverpool on Sunday at Anfield. That's the big matchup of the weekend here. So well, let's talk about that one right now. You said Liverpool looked fatigued in their game against Napoli, do you think that they'll be able to recharge their batteries and get things going again? Because Man City, that's, you know, the title matchup right here. This is three extremely important points that are up for grabs. Absolutely. I mean, I think that um, it's it's hard because, you know, they also really, I, I mean, they were getting hammered by Napoli and Whereas City got that late, late winner, they gave up the late winner. Um, I think Lorenzo Insigne scored in like the 88th minute or maybe it was 83rd, 84th. And it was it, within the last 10 before stoppage time. And so that's, you know, as disheartening as City's is uplifting, um, City was, as I said, two-thirds of possession. You know, they were not chasing the game. Liverpool was. Uh, I think that Liverpool have to be really happy given, you know, those factors that they get to play this at Anfield. I think that if they were going to the Etihad this weekend, I would say City are clear favorites based on form and fatigue. The fact that their their home can be a fortress, I think that Liverpool will 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 definitely bounce back from their midweek fixture. I think we'll see them a lot more potent in attack. And I think that it's it's a toss-up. I mean, I still think that City are probably slight favorites on paper. Gotta say also slight favorites on form. That home field advantage might be the equalizer. And indeed, I think it will be a literal equalizer in that this will end a 1-1 or a 2-2 draw. Hmm. Yeah, we'll see if uh, if they split the points there. There's also reports going around that Kevin De Bruyne might actually make the squad for Man City. Yeah, and make the squad means make the bench. There's yes. no way that that's no, they just throw him on. But um, but yeah, I mean, again, that's obviously a huge boost. He's inarguably world class, and if you get even 15 minutes of inarguable world class, then that's still a better squad for it. Yep, that's true. Oh, I do want to jump back to this too. Sorry for backtracking here. But Rafa Benitez was fined 60,000 pounds after accepting an FA charge for comments about the referee prior to Newcastle's game against Crystal Palace. Uh, Yeah, Rafa being Rafa, he's frustrated and understandably so. I mean, it, but boy, would it... It would just be, uh, again, sorry, Seb, I don't mean to rub salt in the wounds, but if that salt ultimately purified those wounds and Mourinho got fired, you wouldn't be too sad about it. But, boy, if Rafa was to get his first win of the season at Old Trafford, 
Oh boy! I mean, that would that would certainly be a long nail in Mourinho's coffin. I don't know if it would be the last. I it would be the last. Do you think he would do the? Uh, I didn't even know what you call it. The flicking of the money sign. Is that how you would say it when you have money in your palm and you sort of? Like you mean it. make it rain? Making it rain. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, doubt, I doubt it. Because we all remember Alan Pardew dancing. Yeah. Oh boy, Rafa, he could, he could do a nice trundle dance. But what I want to do is see him just kind of like run along the sidelines uh, like an overweight evangelical preacher running along slapping the hands of his megachurch attendees on his way up to the pulpit mm. yep. I just wanted to mention that because I 60,000 pounds, that's a lot of money even for a Premier League manager yeah, I mean is it though yeah. what, what, what do we think Rafa Benitez salary is first of all i'm gonna look it up just, just i have guess. no idea let's say he's I, on i bet he makes two million at least let's say he's on a hundred thousand pounds a week uh da, da, da. No, right. that's too much a hundred thousand a week yeah that's too that's much way too much yeah no not five million no way not five million Wow, boy, this is, I mean, granted, so the, I'm, I'm looking at statistics from May of earlier this year, um, in which Rafa was said to be making four million pounds a year. That's not that far off of, from, uh, that's, man, yeah, that that's a lot of money. 60,000 is nothing to him. Yeah. Okay, never he, mind then. I mean, he's only making slightly less than Pochettino at five and a half. Yikes. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Let's move on from that. Uh, let's go to the Europa League where we have two English sides in Arsenal who took a 3 nothing win on the road against Quarabag. Goals by uh, the Greek. I'm not going to even try to say his last name. Emil Smith-Rove and uh, Guendouzi. Yeah. Um... I mean, so you can just call him Socrates. Also. Or I can just call him Papas. Papastaphilus. Papastapopoulos. Sorry, Socrates. Um, Socrates is a badass name, so I'll just stick with Socrates. Okay. Um, this game was... It's, okay, it's eight wins on the trot. You know, it, it's really hard to to snub your nose at eight consecutive victories, and I don't mean to do that. I'm happy with the result. Um and so, another clean sheet. Another clean sheet. You did the, the epic, epic anti-jinx when you said they weren't going to keep a clean sheet. I know. That's fine. Great. Yeah. But, they I mean, they tried real hard to spoil that clean sheet. I mean, they gave up numerous chances to Karabog, um, who had, I think, as many shots on target as Arsenal did in yes. four. Four apiece. And, and so... I'm torn, right? So on the one hand, thrilled with the result. Uh, on the and like also thrilled to see all three goal scorers their first getting their first Arsenal goals, and Smith Rowe and Guendouzi getting not only their first Arsenal goals but their first senior first team goals. Period. You know, so it's it's an exciting day for 
the new faces in the club, especially an exciting day for the youth, also exciting for the Hale End Academy, because not only is Smith Rowe a product of that, Gwendouzi isn't, but Alex Awobi had a phenomenal game too. So a lot of positives to take from it. Our defense is still abject. I think that uncertainty about how we are at the back is what made Emery play with a back like back three, you know, essentially five defenders to start. He switched that at halftime. Um, his comments were kind of fun, funny because he said, you know, yeah, we needed another midfielder, like, because we were suffering a bit, but I want to suffer, were his exact mm-hmm. words. Um, I think I know what he means. Still kind of getting a grasp on, you know, English here. Yep. But the, 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 the nice thing and this is a huge grain of salt, but the the nice thing about how poorly we defended is that we got to see Leno in goal, and he made a string of very fine saves. I, mean, I think that he did himself a great service in this match. And it was nice also, you know, playing against Karabag, a team that you would expect us to beat, and that he's making that string of saves and a little less nervy from an Arsenal perspective than it would be if he was saving those shots against, say, Spurs at the Emirates. Mm-hmm. No, that's true. And then Chelsea took only a one nothing win at home against the Hungarians' Videoton. 76% yeah. possession, 28 attempts, but only five shots on target. And the lone ga- goal came from Alvaro Morata in the 70th minute. Yeah, and I mean, I'm going to play kind of a little bit devil's advocate on Chelsea's behalf in this one that, yeah, you got to bemoan having that much possession, you know, over three quarters of possession, goodness, nearly 30 shots and only get one goal. But they moved the ball really well. They had, you know, the same pass accuracy against Videoton that uh, City did in Hoffenheim at 90%. And the fact is, you get three points, you get Morata on the score sheet, and in a similar way to being happy from an Arsenal perspective that Leno is playing well, getting a feel for the ball as he comes into at least a month, if not a permanent residence as Arsenal's number one. From a Chelsea perspective, you've got to be glad to see not only three points, but Morata getting on that score sheet. And as we've said before, if he can find his form, this Chelsea team could be real title contenders. Yeah, that's true. Chelsea top group L, which shows you how many groups they have in the Europa League, uh, with uh, <laughs> six points. Uh, PAOK, Opauk uh, from Greece, three points. Bate Borisov, three points. Videoton, zero points. And then as far as uh, Arsenal's group goes, they... Uh, Also sit at the top, six points. Sporting has six points. And then Voskla and Quarabag with zero points. Yeah, so. Sporting, I mean, that's... Arsenal are going to be duking it out with Sporting to win this group. And we'll get a real indicator as to who's going to do that 20 days from now when they travel to Lisbon. Yep, that's very true. I think we have a very interesting Sunday ahead of us here in the Premier League. So Fulham Arsenal, little London derby. That kicks yeah. off at 7 a.m., so get up early for that one. I will. And then Southampton, Chelsea, 9.15, and then that massive game, Liverpool, Man City, 11.30. So there's a lot of good things to look forward to here. Yeah, I think this is going to be... Uh, I think this is going to be a Arsenal victory without a clean sheet. Make me eat my words, Burned. Make me eat my words. 
Uh, Chelsea victory, and as I already said, Liverpool City draw. Yep, we'll uh, discuss that and much more when we come back after the weekend. One last thing before we go, though, and that is Dwight Jork wants the Aston Villa job. I was so happy when I saw this news here. So Steve Bruce got fired from Aston Villa. They've had a poor opening here at the championship season. And it looks like Dwight York is throwing his hat in the ring to take the uh, managerial role at the club. Uh, even though he's only his only coaching experience is being the assistant for Trinidad and Tobago. Yeah. And, I mean, CONCACAF is... Uh, far cry <laughs> the level that he'd have to be managing at. Um, and I mean, I, I, I don't know. I think that because, because it's a mid season, not even mid season. What are we like barely a quarter of the way through the season? Yes. A, appointment. He's got a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I still, I still doubt it. I mean, it's and from a supporter's perspective, it's always fun to see uh, old player come back. But I think I would, I would put a lot more stake in the possibility of Dwight York managing Aston Villa if this was happening in March and not the beginning of October, right? You know, if it was just okay steady the ship at the very end of the season. We're not terribly threatened with relegation, but we're not happy with where we're at either. Sure. You know, that's no, that's true. That's more reasonable, but this is, you know, by the end of the season, they'll have played more competitive games than he's overseen as a Trinidad assistant. I mean, I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure it's more. And if not, it's roughly one-to-one and that's not the kind of ratio you want for a manager stepping in to uh, steady the ship and head the club. No, I mean, they are aiming for promotion. So, uh, yeah, it would be kind of a risky move. But he apparently he has sent in his CV. He's trying to make contact with the chief executive. And uh, got a quote here that Aston Villa needs something new. I played for them and understand the club and understand what the fans expect. I feel I can bring a winning mentality back to the football club. Yeah, well, good luck. <laughs> yeah, definitely good luck. I would love to see this. It would be uh, highly entertaining, and uh, I wish him the best of luck, as I do have a soft spot for Dwight after his years at Manchester United. With yeah. that, we're going to wrap things up. Thank you, as always, for listening. If you want to get in contact with us, you can do so via Twitter. I'm Seb Noren. Elliot is Keatsos Better, and then you can follow one Yank, one Swede as well. Have a phenomenal weekend, and we'll talk to you again soon. Until then, have a good one. Bye-bye.